Ask not. I have a dream. Violence breeds violence. Repression breeds retaliation. And only a cleansing of our whole society can remove this sickness from our souls. Tear down this wall. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. You may even get tired of winning and you'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it. Hello, boys and girls. You can believe your ears. Your device was not incorrect. There is a new episode of The Stark Contrast. Don't call it a comeback. I'm just real, real big procrastinator. Um, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad to be recording again. I did plan on doing an episode before now, but like I said, I like to procrastinate, and damn, has the world of politics made me not want to talk about it. But here we are, and I have a special guest, the one and only Justin Jones. What up? Now, as I'd like everybody, to, I'd like knows. to say that was a really solid intro by myself. I, I'm, I'm really glad I introduced myself to your audience that way. What's up, everybody? Nice to see you. There you go. Now, as everybody that listens to my podcast knows, the tens and tens of fans that I have out there, um, I have a voice that was made for print media. But today, my guest has a voice on loan from God, the true golden microphone dustin jones now dustin um you're only my second guest ever well technically this is probably like my fifth podcast ever but i'm happy to have you here i would like to start with a little history of dustin jones where were you born just just a a brief overview for the the folks out there give us a brief synopsis of dustin from birth to today I thought you were about to say from birth to death because that <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I could see into the future. Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, thank you for being uh, here live in the Jog Pod Studios. Quick plug: just another white guys podcast, also available to listen to. You know, we'll be doing some crossover work. I'm sure. Happy to have you here in Texas uh, recording, and great to have you back on the air. So, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to to be your guest. Uh, a little bit about me, um, as you your listeners can clearly hear. I do have golden pipes. Try not to brag about it, but you know when it's real, it's real. So um, I uh, just recently turned 38 years old. I'm from the great state of Oregon. Uh, I lived there uh, most of my life. Grew up in a really small town. Um, one of those places where everybody knows everybody. Went to school with pretty much the same people from kindergarten until uh, I moved away uh, my senior year and bounced around lived in uh, Montana and Minnesota, um, done all kinds of weird jobs, always wanted to be in uh, radio broadcasting, uh, went to school for radio, got a degree, did the radio thing for a while. Unfortunately, um, we, uh, I'm, I'm not unfortunately that I married my wife. Let me make sure I'm clearing that up. Uh, in a in a very fortunate turn for me, I was I was lucky enough to marry uh, my wife Nikki. We celebrated our ten year anniversary uh, back in June. Um, shortly after we got married, she had an opportunity to pursue her dream of uh, doing music and leading worship in a church. 
Um, so we took that opportunity uh, and moved to Oklahoma, at which point I kind of uh, stopped doing the radio thing. And uh, now I work uh, doing logistics uh, for oil and gas transport and live here in Houston, Texas. So it's just a little quick uh, blurb about me. So I, uh, I'm a nerd and uh, like all things nerdy. And you and I have uh, had a close relationship now for going on 10 years. And uh, it's pretty awesome. My my listeners haven't uh, heard the original story on how we met. Uh, we are actually both pro wrestling fans, uh, speaking of nerds. And uh, we actually met through a mutual friend, Jay, uh, at an ROH uh, Ring of Honor wrestling show. Do you know how I met Jay? No, no not offhand. So I had tickets to a Ring of Honor event in St. Paul, Minnesota and had an extra and offered it up uh jay had driven over from chicago uh to go to the show and sold him the ticket and uh we just became friends at that point and we we sat next to each other during the show obviously and talked about you know different stuff that we were into and and kind of clicked and and uh that's how we met which is funny because i met jay at a wrestling event as well um we were actually at uh TNA Bond for Glory, it was when Angle uh, first signed with them. They had a meet and greet with Angle, and he was supposed to be part of their uh, fan interaction event, but his wife at the time was having a child, and he had to leave the event early. Uh, so there was a private signing with Angle just before the pay-per-view, and while we were standing in line, Jay was behind me with his wife, Jen, at the time, uh, and he had a gold pen, that I, he offered me to use. And as we were, you know, as we were standing in line talking, he told me about Shimmer and Ring of Honor. At that point, I had never heard of them. Um, I had been raised on WWE wrestling, so I had no idea uh, that there were that big of a indie scene in the US. Um, and in turn, that golden pen broke on my cousin it was like a gold leaf pen, an expensive pen. Like Jay had been talking it up and we broke his pen like right away. Um, after that signing, uh, I had a hotel room and they came back and just hung out in between the signing and the, um, the event. So that was how I met Jay. In turn, uh, Jay offered to do a road trip, asked if I wanted to ride with him and go uh, to a wrestling show on the East Coast. And go to my first ROH show. We did that. We spoke, we actually spoke about that road trip on your podcast. So if anybody wants to hear about a crazy road trip with Jay, um, who I had just met before that, and then had one of the worst hotel experiences of my life, tune into the new job jog pod. Um, it will be on there. But anyways, I met Jay. Uh, we became friends purely wrestling related. And then he had invited me to Chicago we, I came to the Chicago show and ended up sitting next to you. And that's how we actually met was through the ROH. Did we, was that the night that we, we sat front row for that show, right? Was that the night that we sat front row? I do believe so. Yeah. Was that the night that, uh, I was smack talking with, uh, Allison danger. I, yep. think, I think that was the night. Yeah. That was good times. So, so many good times there. Um, so anyways, we, we met at the wrestling show, um, started talking over MySpace, the superior, social networking right. platform 
and uh, just we're, we're general friends from there on. Uh, then I moved to Minnesota through a job with Murphy USA gas stations. And that's when we became closer friends. Right. Um, you really, you know, you offered more than most people would for me to stay at your house whenever I wanted. Um, we started, you know, having dinners together with you, I, and my, or my wife. Your wife. <laughs> um, I have had a couple of wives, but uh, they they were never around long enough to actually invite <laughs> guests over. <laughs> um, <laughs> different story for a different time. But uh, I, I'd say over that period when I lived in Minnesota, we got close enough that I would consider you a brother from that point on. Um, and then we've we've been friends over the years. I, I would say really the reason that. Uh that uh, we became as close as we did for me is because you introduced me to Jimmy John's and uh, that's really is where, uh, where I knew that's when I knew it was real. When you introduced me to such a delicious sandwich, that's, that's when, you know, that's when, you know, it's true. Um, so that's, that's when, that's when you introduced me to spending money on a guy who goes and kills animals in Africa. So thank you for that. Exactly. Well, like most things in life, it's what they give you not who they are as a person. Yep. I, that, that's how I feel about my entertainment and my food options. I don't really uh, care to know about them in their personal life because <laughs> it never ends well. And that's that's what's easy about Jimmy John's, cause, uh, not Jimmy John's, uh, Papa John's. Their food sucks, so it's easy to just hate him because his food also sucks. Jimmy John's is a little bit harder for me because, I mean, when Jimmy John's bread is right, I mean, that's one of the best sandwiches you can get for the value. So, I mean, does it suck to see him show up on uh, social media having killed the majestic creature? Yes, it does. Also, people don't really understand how those safari things work. So, we, won't, we don't have to get into that. Some of that, like, actually helps the economy and helps cull some herds. And, like, while it does look terrible, it's... Anyway. So. There, there is positive to it. I, I agree completely. Um I think the problem was that the lion that he ended up shooting wasn't he the Cecil the lion? No, that no, was Cecil the lion was a uh, was a, a dentist. dentist or an orthodontist from Minnesota. You can actually, if you go over to Just Another White Guy's podcast, uh, not long after Cecil the lion was killed, there is a podcast that I uh, may or may not have went on an expletive laced <laughs> tirade about Cecil the lion and the orthodontist. Um, so you can check that out. Cheap plug. Uh, for my podcast, that's from a couple of years ago, uh, right after it happened. But yeah, we we got uh, we got deep into that one. Now, to to transition, one of the things that we've shared over the years are different trips. We've we've gone yep. on some pretty epic uh, road trips, and uh, not all of them have been ret- wrestling centric. No, nope. um, though that has played a you know a key role in some. You were. Um, We've taken several Vegas trips, uh, one of which was my second marriage. Um, yep, I, the, I paid. It, it took me longer to pay off that trip than your marriage lasted. <laughs> the trip almost lasted longer than the marriage. <laughs> um, which, in retrospect, you know, uh, marriage and Rod don't tend to work out, but Vegas trips and Rod do work out. <laughs> so. Let's talk about our last Vegas trip. We, we took a trip recently uh, back in April. Uh, went to Vegas. Uh, no, it was March. 
March. Yeah, it was March because it was it was the first weekend oh, of March, March Madness. Madness and St. Patrick's Day weekend. Gotcha. Uh, so typically, I am a limit of two to three days in Vegas kind of guy. Uh, you had planned a trip that was a little over a week long, and while I was originally going to only go for a part of the trip, I decided, you know what, let's make this happen. We both went for eight days, was it? Uh, no, it was just a week. Was it a week? Yeah, we left. Uh, we got in on Tuesday and left on Tuesday. It, it felt like... It felt like a really long time. It felt like three weeks. It was... So, initially, when I planned to go for that long, I had planned it that long because I had planned to be by myself because I was going to spend the first few days... Um, at that point, I had gotten back into to playing poker, and I had planned to go and hang out in some poker rooms and actually sit and like log some hours of really playing poker. Um, and then uh, my the best man from my wedding, Scott, and yourself were both like, oh, well, we're going to just go for the week too, which is totally fine. It just kind of uh, flipped uh, how the trip was going to work. Um, and who knows? Maybe it worked out for the best. It worked, how, it worked out how it was supposed to work out, and we ended up having a really good time. But uh yeah it felt like a real it felt like a lot longer than a week and um i definitely don't plan on staying in vegas for that many days in a row um at least not without a much bigger bankroll yeah it was definitely a memorable trip i can say that um i had the uh rare bucket list item that i didn't know i had um while we were there i uh, got kicked out of a strip club yeah that was uh that was a sight to behold i i've Never thought I would, but I have been kicked out of a strip club. I do not technically remember such things <laughs> happening. Uh, it was going well the last I remembered. And then the next memory I have after that, it was going well again. But somewhere in between, I um, destroyed some merchandise at the strip club <laughs> and was promptly removed by some bouncers. Yeah, they did not take kindly to... Uh, I did not see the incident. I heard... <laughs> Uh, something happened. I heard glasses break and someone scream. So uh, my my thought is one of two things happened. Either you ran into the waitress and knocked a bunch of shit on the ground, or there was a there were some steps up to the bar area, and the actual bar and a walkway, and then there was like a counter area where you could like set a drink and look out into the main floor. I, that there may have been some sort of glassware on there, and you drug your hand across it and knocked it off, or I'm not really sure. Um, none of us were really of the uh, proper uh, mindset, um, sober to really discern what had happened other than we all know that it went really bad. Um, fortunately I have a really good, uh, strip club disposition and I'm able to generally talk bouncers down out of, um, you know, making things worse than they, they could be. And, uh, I think it ended up working out okay in the end, but that was, uh, that was one for the record books. One of my finest moments. It so. was one of your finest moments. It was one of my finest moments booking the trip over there with like seven dudes over to uh, see. And it, they promoted it as a much bigger thing 
than it was when we got there. They were like, yeah, come and watch the basketball games on all the big screens and, you know, eat food and, you know, there's drinks. It made it seem like there was going to be like a big room where we could like actually hear the games and stuff like that. And I think back where the food was, you could have done that, but you still couldn't really hear anything. And it didn't seem like any of the uh, lovely ladies that were working the uh, early day shift uh, were back there hanging out. So um, in Las Vegas, if you can go to a, uh, a strip club and it's $50 all you can eat and drink for two hours, seemed like a really good deal. And it, uh, I mean, I had fun. I mean... It, I, I definitely got my money's worth on the booze. Let's just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put uh, we put in some time and effort on that. So uh, it was a successful Vegas trip. Um, typically, I, I would have brought more money to gamble, but I had recently had my house broken into right. and had a bunch of money stolen. Uh, so I had a smaller bankroll than planned. Uh, I lost the majority of that within the first day. And then I, I coasted through. Um, at one point, you had loaned me a hundred dollars. I got up a little bit, gave you that back, and then worked my way through. Thought I was leaving the trip a hundred dollars up, and then uh, got a flight delayed at the airport. Played at the airport, knowing that common knowledge is nobody wins at the airport. It's just there to take the sucker's money. Uh, but surprisingly, I won. Got up. Uh, like 1500 bucks and left Vegas a winner after a loser of a trip when it comes to, uh, well, I'm glad that one of us ended up making money on that trip. So, you know, yeah, there, there were definitely some bills across the board from all the guys that, uh, were there. Um, I, I think Scott probably did the worst. So. Um, I, I don't know. We, I'm not a hundred percent sure on how everybody's uh, trips went. I do know, and now this this may be news to you. There, uh, there is a Vegas trip on the books for January. Um, Travis, who uh, is a very close friend of mine, uh, I was in his wedding, and he joined us on that trip. And the the whole basis of the trip started as I'm a huge hockey fan. Um, well, really, anything I'm a fan of, I'm huge. But, um, but I'm bummed. Where's the? Do you do you drop in like uh, rim shots and can you like put in some uh, like laughter? Some can you put effect. a laugh track and stuff in there for me? It'll make me feel better about myself when I listen to this. Up my production because I'm such value. a because I'm such a whore for myself that I I will listen to this. Um, but Travis, uh, or I'm sorry, we I'm I'm a big hockey fan and uh, Las Vegas now has a National Hockey League team, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, Minnesota is my hockey team, uh, the Minnesota Wild, and they were uh, in town. Um, that was really how the trip started. It was like, I'm going to go to Vegas and see Minnesota play hockey. I can do you know, two of my favorite things uh, in the same weekend. And then it happened to work out that it was also opening weekend of the uh, NCAA basketball tournament for March Madness and St. Patrick's Day weekend. So while it was a lot of fun, it was also one of the most expensive weekends you can choose to go to Las Vegas um, because of so many people coming to town for those events. But it, it was a, a good time and crazy. But there is a, uh, a trip on the, uh, the books uh, for January. Travis already has his hotel and flights booked because he, um, he's been welcomed back with open arms at the hotel that they were staying at uh, 
Where, where, what was the name of that place? Um, the Wingate, right? No. Yeah, the yeah what Wingate. Um, he uh, he had a good time there, and I think they would like to see him come back and uh, have some more fun. So I think he's already uh, got that trip on the books. So we'll see. Uh, I've been invited to a Vegas trip uh, in January, in February, and in March. Um, and then you and I are going to New York in April. So um, I guess we'll see. I'd like to do all that. I, By no stretch of the imagination do I roll on a level in which I could probably really afford to do that. But fingers crossed my wife is going to get a promotion and a big raise at the end of this year. So who knows? Maybe uh, we'll be rolling with the homies. Another uh, Vegas trip callback. Uh, I am what they would call a loving drunk. Yep. When I get uh, inebriated, especially to the level of time traveling and not remembering everything, I um, am very huggy and very lovey. I let everybody know how much I love them. So I made quite the impression on Travis and some of the other guys that I had just met, um, making sure that they knew how much I loved them. Yeah, they, uh, they're all well aware, and uh, I did get a couple of responses. Um, Scotty says that he still loves you. Um, the other two that we called the other night while uh, we were also uh, enjoying some of uh, some fine Polish vodka, um, they haven't responded. So <laughs> I may have accidentally uh, FaceTimed uh, one of their children. Um, thankfully, it was just FaceTime audio and not, uh, not video. So he, he will not be scarred for the rest of his life. <laughs> So it was a, a successful Vegas trip. Um, some other catching up. Uh, you know, we do we do need to go to back to Vegas and you get married because that's the only time I've ever won money is when you were getting married. So maybe you need to make that happen so I can actually win some money next time I go to Vegas. And when on that Vegas trip that I did get married on, I did well enough that I got a free room at the win the next time I went, yep. which was with a totally different girl. <laughs> But it was a free trip. Have you ever been back to Vegas uh, a second time with the same girl? I don't believe I have. <laughs> it, not only that, it's a running joke in my family that I never bring the same girl to a family event more than once, right. like a Christmas or whatever. So the repeat of... I've had girlfriends much longer than a year, but typically if I bring them to an event, it's one and done. Like right. Not, they're not coming back. So, um, no, I don't believe I've brought the same girl to <laughs> Vegas twice. Uh, I, I feel like you're the only one with that distinction well, that you've you know, been to Vegas with me more than one time. We've yeah, we've been three times or four times. I I think four. Four. Yep. And you're also one of the only people. That's how I know. Like we are on a different level of friendship. Is most people, once it gets over like four or five days, I'm, f I'm completely sick of them. Yeah. They're completely sick of me. Um, we are good enough together where when we're getting a little pissy or, you know, don't, don't necessarily want to be right on top of each other. We don't have to talk. We can space each other out and, and let each other be. We don't have to be right on top of each other. And I, I think with most relationships, not even on a romantic level, but friendships too uh the, those boundaries are harder to form so the fact that we can do that and we can go on a road trip and we can be get into a negative spot personally 
and still be cool with each right. other. That that tells me that you know that it's a different level of friendship, and it'll obviously it'll last. We've been friends for like you said about a decade or so. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that, other than I typically don't have repetitive uh, trips with people right. other than yourself um, and obviously Liam because right. he's stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, he's he kind of just has to. Like yeah. at some point, he just has to know that he has to show up. Yeah, and that, what he figured if he's going somewhere, I'm bankrolling it, so he's got <laughs> to take me with him. You're gonna have to uh, get him to understand that at some point, like he's gonna be bankrolling some of these trips. It's like, daddy, daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Exactly. Um, another event though that's happened since the last time I podcasted. It, speaking of relationships and breakups i uh recently broke up with my girlfriend of four years well she broke up with me uh so i am once again single yeah uh, baby the the uh that's why that's why we've been cuddling so much while you, you were here got it buddy uh the all too often event of rod's life of the crazy single times um so just so everybody's updated, I am single. Be on the lookout. Uh, Rod's back on the prowl. Uh, the craziness that is Rod has come to return. So check that one off. Another relationship down. Uh, <laughs> at least you can joke about it. Like You have to at this point. I mean... Or you just resigned to the fact that you just know it's going to happen. Like it just... That's just reality at some point it just you know wraps up and it's time to move on not exactly like i wasn't i wasn't counting on forever but i wasn't super expecting to break up if right. that makes sense um but I, I have enough experience with it that uh you know i'm i'm a professional at the serial monogamy that is rod stark and you know, if, if you're a betting person thrown back to Vegas there, uh, the betting odds are on the favor of it won't last forever with Rod. Um, you, the, the betting favorite in your relationship is never going to be long term. Exactly. And judging by my past, I should be married within a couple months from now. <laughs> And then uh, probably divorce before the new year. Well, if you could, if you, if you're going to get married this year. I apologize, but I probably won't be able to make it because I'm out of vacation time. So unless you actually come down here and get, I mean, if you want to get married uh, out on the uh, the patio by the pool, I mean, we could make that happen. But um, destination wedding, uh, unfortunately, I probably will be out until my vacation time resets next year. <laughs> so we, we might have to try to figure out how to work this out to balance your vacation time and my quick marriage. Right. Uh, Although I will say... I tend to, I seem to have bad uh, juju in terms of uh, marriages that uh, I participate in the uh, the actual officiating of or as a uh, groomsman or something like that. Um, as a groom, bride, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as a groom, groomsman, or best man, um, it's actually exactly the national average of divorce. Um, two of the marriages are divorced and two of the marriages are still successful. I'm still married. My buddy Travis is still married. Uh, and then, uh, you are divorced and, uh, my, my brother Lauren, uh, is divorced. I was in his wedding. So 
I don't know. We will either get me back up above 500 or uh or my my record will will tank a little bit. I'm not sure I want to I mean, 500 gets me in the Hall of Fame, so. There you go. I, I have a, a perfect rec- record, including both the ones that I was personally in and the ones I've been a groomsman in. Um, nobody is still together. So maybe that should be a sign for, uh, you know, Starks don't do well with weddings. It, um, it, for all yeah, those that Starks, watch. Uh, Starks either uh, in real life or uh, in, on HBO shows. or uh, They don't do well. Uh, and Tony Stark hasn't gotten married yet, so I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see how that works out. Uh, going from the way the Infinity War ended, I don't know that it's going to end well for Tony in general, so maybe the wedding thing won't work out. I don't know. I Hashtag spoiler alerts, but yeah. I, think, uh, I think he ends up coming out okay on this. My, my prediction is that yeah once again spoiler alerts my prediction on the next infinity wars um i think they're calling it end game is that that is not uh there's no confirmation on that yet it it will be a end for tony stark i think he's going to sacrifice himself to save spider-man is what's going to happen uh though it'll be the end of uh, Iron Man, as well as the end of Captain America, if my predictions hold true. There better be some real deaths in this next movie. Well, I mean, we had real deaths in Infinity War. Uh, Loki died. Uh, pretty much every Asgardian died. Uh, the uh, gatekeeper, um, Idris Elba, died. Uh, Vision died. So, I mean, we had people Gamora. that... Gamora died. So, we had we real had deaths. We had some real deaths. It'll be interesting to see. I have, I have a couple of theories on on some things um, about you know the dusted people and like I don't actually think those people are dead. I think they're in an alternate uh, alternate dimension. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, that that'll be determined at a later date. But I, I want one of those big guns to go down. At thank least. thank. Well, if. Batista keeps talking. They may just whack him in the the thing and not bring him back. They're like, yeah, everyone else is fine, but um, yeah, Drax is not back. He didn't make it. He, uh, you know, they, they couldn't put him back together. That, that's actually a good transition because I wanted to ask you about that topic. Uh, wh- how do you feel about situations like that that happen with Jim Gunn? Just in case some some of you guys didn't know, uh, James Gunn the uh, writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy uh, had some old tweets that were unearthed that uh, he made jokes about pedophilia and about rape. Um, I've read the tweets myself. Not the best jokes, but you could definitely tell they were in the vein of jokes. And then in turn, Disney fired him and wiped him from Guardians 3. He was already most of the way done with the script. They decided they weren't even going to use his script. And what's your thoughts on that? When A situation like that where it's an old tweet. So I, I struggle with this one because this is one of those situations where my appreciation and my like my liking of someone interferes with well this has happened to people that i don't like and i'm okay with it 
So if it happens to people that I like, I still should take it with, you know, they did what they did. So there's the tough part about it for me is their social, it's social media. He didn't, if you go and read things, he wasn't attacking people and saying, you know, this person, uh, you know, is the N word or, you know, this person looks like a monkey or, you know, this, I think this person is a rapist or, or that sort of thing. He was making jokes that, that were in certainly distasteful, but also six, seven years ago, we didn't really care as much about that sort of thing. We weren't, we, the society had not changed to the point where we are now, where everything is skewed as that now is offensive. Um, I think one of the things that's happened with Twitter is people have said things that clearly were mean spirited and meant as reality and then went, Oh, but I was just joking. And that when you've heard that so many times, when someone actually was doing jokes that someone dug up and said, Oh, here, look what this person said. It's tough because you've heard so many times, oh, that was a joke, that was a joke. So that no longer feels like uh, a uh, a real defense. At the same time, we are definitely in a gotcha culture and a whataboutism where everyone on the right that agreed with things that like a Roseanne had said on Twitter, which were clearly not jokes and clearly hateful and clearly put through in in a way of not fun and not in a joking way. In my opinion, she has said that she was joking. Okay, that's fine. I did not I did not read into what she was writing as jokes. And Roseanne is a comedian who I've heard say some funny things. Comparing someone to a monkey with like a visual evidence I don't, I don't buy that. So it's people on the right will be, okay, well, you guys got her fired. What about this person? So we're very much in a whataboutism culture. John Oliver, uh, a few months ago on uh, his show last week tonight, had a really good piece about whataboutism and how it's, it's really just inundated our culture about, you know, this person did something. Well, we're going to go find someone that did something. We're going to we're going to bury them. It's the same with a lot of athletes have had stuff that's dug up um, that they've tweeted. You know, some stuff that they tweeted when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, I, it's it's tough to, to figure out where you draw the line on that sort of stuff. If you said something racist when you're 17, does that make you a racist now? I know when I was 15 and 16 years old, I said things that I'm not proud of, but I also didn't have social media. It was stuff that we said with our friends. You know, we used gay slurs and we used racial slurs. And, you know, I for me, it was... I've never used the N-word in a place of hate. I've had... This is so cliche. I had a black friend. Like, I'm from a really small town. The fact that there was a black kid that lived in my small town is is unusual and I piled around with him and like he referred to me as the n-word and I referred to him as the n-word like it was 
and it's the thing about it's the ER versus the A on the end and the connotation. You know, George Carlin talks about words, words in and of themselves are not hateful. It's the way in which you use them. It's context and connotation. So I can't ever, if someone ever says to me, have you ever used the N-word? Yes, I've used the N-word before. But I've never directed it as a, at a person to demean them or make them feel bad about themselves or make them less than. But I've used it when I've sung along to rap songs and in conversations with a black person who had basically said, you know, when we're together, it's fine. I mean, he made it clear that, like, when you're in a group of other black people, you probably shouldn't say it because you don't know. But for him, it didn't matter because we were friends. Does that does that make it okay? Not necessarily. Is it something that I'm comfortable with saying now? Obviously not because I refer to it as the N-word. Because you don't want to use a word that has such vitriol behind it and so much hate. You have to be more cognizant of that sort of thing. I've gone on for a really long time. So if you want to no, jump in here it, at any point, go ahead. But there's there's so much hate in the world. And so many people now have a voice that it's social media has lent itself to give a voice to people who certainly have the right to have a voice, but maybe we shouldn't have to hear it. Exactly. Well, I let you keep going because it was exactly along the lines of where I was hoping we would go. I too, you know, back in the day joked a lot um, with the N word and I've, I've also never used it. I can honestly say I've never used it out of hate at all. Um, it was more comedy, uh, copying some of the jokes off the Howard Stern show. Um, also rap songs. It, it just was part of it. You know, you were into the, the singing of it, but I, I see where it's gone now and the fact that it needs to be avoided. And I worry about like with Liam, Liam likes uh, rap music, and I've never heard him use the N-word, but I know how easy it was when I was a kid to, you're just singing along to the song, where nowadays you'll see clips where somebody got pulled up on stage at a rap concert and was singing along to the rap and then gets called out and everybody doxes her on social media and shows where she lives and you know it's the end of her life because she used the n-word and she was white uh where i don't i don't see that as that was being any kind of a racist at all on the other hand like you said you had mentioned i do understand that you know that that word for a lot of people has a lot of negative connotation and it's it's not my place or my game to argue for or against the word that I defer to people of color that have to ha- actually deal with it used to as a negative connotation and not only as hatred towards them, but that there could be harm that's coming to them from the person that's yelling at them using those words. It's, it, it has been used in a, in the past and and continues continues to be used it's been used yeah currently again to demean them to and to point out that they're a lesser person obviously i don't believe that but those hateful groups do 
And uh, I, I think that out of anything in the last couple of years, that's been the craziest thing is that I was naive to the fact that, yeah, some older people might have racist tendencies that, you know, it's, it's grandpa racism where it's, it's not hurting anybody, but they think differently of different cultures, but that's an old person and whatever, they're going to, you know, be gone eventually. And it is what it is to where now it's come out that there's people our age and even younger that are legit racist in it. Like, yeah, I didn't see that for a long time, including when I left and went to college and stuff. I remember my freshman year, they had a, um, a writing competition where you, it was on uh, Martin Luther King day where you, you wrote about the continued culture of race and how, you know, how we've come as a society. And I remember writing about how my generation was going to be the end of racism, that it was a, a important part of our past to, you know, know and focus on that, but that we were actually living the dream of the, you know, I have a dream speech and to see it just unravel completely it's very surreal to me. It feels in a lot of ways it's actually worse off than than it was living in the moment now. There is there's so much hate and the part of the problem is I I don't think it's necessarily Donald Trump's fault, but he constantly says so many inflammatory things and it's never really called out as we don't ever stop and and are like, no, this is wrong. You have to stop doing that because he always has a portion of people that are agreeing with him. And he says so many crazy things that just continues to go. People now feel there are a percentage of people that are comfortable with, Hey, the leader of our country says really hateful and terrible things. So I'm now comfortable enough to go ahead and say the things that I maybe wouldn't have said before and the things that you say in the shadows and amongst, you know, your, your like-minded individuals. Now you're willing to go out on social media and say these things. So many people say them behind uh, a fake identity, which all it does is prove what a coward you are. If you're going to be hateful and a terrible person, have the balls to put your own face on it. Um, that sh- that we're at the one-year anniversary of the Charlottesville incident. Um, there was an alt-right protest this weekend. Like 27 people showed up to protest. There was uh, there was a crew from CNN that went up to interview some people, and they, they would cover their faces and wouldn't identify themselves. That just proves that, one... You have no balls. If you're going to be uh, a racist and you're going to say hateful things, have have the the fortitude to put your name on it. You know, I I can hate what you say and at least you know respect that you stood up to say because that is the definition of free culture and free speech. 
you have the right to say what you want to say. It doesn't say anything about there's no rights or repercussions in that you get to just get off scot-free. You're not Michael Scott in the office where you get to declare bankruptcy by just saying it out loud. I declare bankruptcy. That's not how that shit works. If you are willing to step out and say something hateful, but you're unwilling to put your face or your name to it and handle those consequences, then you're a chicken shit. Agreed. Now... What's your overall political outlook? Have you always voted for the same party, or do you do you vary your vote? Um, I would say that for the longest time, I would I would classify myself as an independent. Um, but definitely over the last ten years, I'm I'm a Democrat. I'm far more liberal than than I would have imagined I would be. But I've always been. I used to refer to myself as a social liberal and a and a fiscal conservative. Like I think but my ideals now are so much more liberal than they would have been maybe even 10 or 15 years ago because there's no there's not a real center anymore. At least there's no one talks about the center. We either talk about the far we talk about the far wings of both sides. Um because polarizing the issue is what draws clicks and what draws attention. Um, I've, I would say that I'm more of a centrist. I would vote for a Republican if I felt a Republican spoke to my ideals and to, um, you know, if I thought that what that person stood for was closer in line to what I believed. But I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard one yet. John McCain used to be close, uh, but once John McCain ran for the presidency and really went far to the right to, at the end of the day, you have, in, in order to win, especially a big general election, you have to be able to energize the base of voters for the party that you run for. And John McCain had to galvanize the religious right and the, the far right wing to try to get, you know, out in front of, what what was really a paradigm shifting election um but i would say i definitely um i'm definitely a, a liberal democrat if there was one issue that you could decide completely and just shut and dry um cut and dry uh for a political process what would like what, what one issue would you like to say okay this is what it is and this is how it is end of story and take that off the table. Is there something that stands out that you're like, I wish this was just settled. I mean, I wish I could fix about 10 or 15 of them. Um, the, the first one for me would be healthcare. There's, there's no reason a country like ours with as much money and as much technology, um, should not have universal healthcare for every single person that lives in this country. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's bullshit to say that we couldn't afford it. Yes, we could. It all, and you can say whatever you want. I, I don't believe that we couldn't make it work. If you believe socialized medicine is evil, I beg you to go and look at how countless other countries make theirs work. Sure, if you need to go into a doctor in Canada, does it take a little bit longer sometimes? Yes, for things that are not emergent. For things that, you know, 
I stubbed my toe. I don't need to immediately go into the doctor. Will it take a little bit longer? Yes. But you don't have the crippling debt. If you blow out your knee right now here in America and you have to go get uh, $3,000 worth of tests and then a surgery and all that, like, it's just ridiculous. And there's, there's really no reason for it other than we do not have... We do not have a, a leadership in this country that really is at looking out for the best interest of the country. Almost everyone that actually runs for a political office is really looking out for themselves. Um, our representative democracy is a failure, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we fix that. But to answer your question, it would be healthcare because universal health healthcare can work. It doesn't work because of poor leadership. And special special interests like the pharmaceutical companies and the big health insurance companies that don't want to let go of those profits. But I mean, you look at the way healthcare works in England. You know, it it's it's all possible. Uh, you can still have really good doctors and pay doctors uh, living wages. That you know, sure, there's sur- there's surgeons and plastic surgeons that make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but there's also really good local uh er doctors and stuff that don't make tons of money but still have to be able to to take care of people and uh you know we should we should be taking better care of our citizens now do you do you think it's possible that we get there or do you think it's just too far gone when it comes to american society we're set in our ways and we're not going to change i don't think i i don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime i thought and and part of it is is a big disappointment and I'm not one of these people that says that President Obama was the perfect president. He was a better president than some recent presidents, but he had failures and he had missteps. And the fact that we got so little out of Obamacare uh, is frustrating because I think that they should have been able to do more, especially when they had the con- the executive branch and the... the uh, the uh, Senate and House, they should have been able to do more with that and get us to a better place. Um, I don't know. Are, is Donald Trump going to be gone as president sometime soon? And are the Republicans not going to have control of the House and Senate? Maybe. But I get frustrated when people talk about, oh, socialized medicine can't work. You know, how about you go around and look at all of the countries that have these things Learn from what they've done. Take the good parts and leave the bad parts. Just because another country has a system that has good and bad doesn't mean you have to just click and paste, uh, copy and paste their program and make it yours. That's not how it works. You go around, you look, hey, this really works. This really works. We'll take this part and this part and this part. We'll leave these other bad parts. We'll merge it all together and see what happens. But the fact that we live in a country where there's people that make hundreds of millions of dollars and you have a family that can't buy, afford to buy their medicine, or you have a person uh, that worked in the steel industry for 40 years and now has to decide between um, medication and food is a real sad state of affairs for the supposed greatest country in the world. You mentioned it a little bit, but um, a follow-up on that question is uh, what, what do you see coming for the midterm elections? The midterm elections is all going to be about getting out the vote. If you can turn out voters, um, I think that 
it will be it'll be a big deal. Um, I think that the left is far more energized um, in terms of getting out and and trying to swing things. The problem is if the people on the left hadn't been so much of a bunch of pussies two years ago and actually gotten out the vote, we wouldn't have Trump to begin with. Um, I think our citizenry in general, regardless of what side you're on, needs to realize that voting in elections is important. I also think that voting shouldn't be on a Tuesday. It should be on Saturdays when most people don't have to work or it should be multiple days or we should figure out some system in which to make it easier to vote. We shouldn't have to go in and stand in line for three hours in the middle of a workday to try to vote. This is one of the most important, uh, crucial elements of our democracy is voting. It should be as easy as possible. Now the problem is we've found that countries like Russia uh, seem to want to be able to hack in and, and control things. So if we go to a fully electronic voting system, how to you know that that gets scary. But then we get I mean, some giant. We have president. yeah, we have so much technology that it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult to to be able to make it so everyone can vote. Like, why can't I log into a website with my social security number and my like, why not make it your social security number and your tax ID and some sort some sort of other form of identification to be able to vote? Well, all all smartphones have phone or have uh, cameras on them too. You could take a fa- facial recognition of it yeah. too. There, there's no reason they couldn't do all of it. Um, when it comes to the midterms, though, I I mentioned in my last podcast that I think if Democrats run more to the center, they'll take they'll actually have a huge blue wave. Yeah. Where if they keep seem to get further to the left and getting distracted with things like identity yep. politics. And I think that's going to cause them to underperform in the midterm elections compared to what they should. Cause if, if you look at where we're at as a country and everything that's going on, it should be a huge tidal wave. Yeah. Um, and the special elections that we have had so far have swayed more to the Democrats than they would have, five years ago or even two years ago and they're overperforming, but they would be even better if they went more to the center than they are. Uh, Do you see that happening at all where they're, they'll make a play to more to the center or do you think they'll continue to go further left? It seems like they're all drip, like each side is drifting further and further into their base. Um, It used to be a battle for your base was going to turn out for you no matter what. And then it was grabbing that 10% or 12% in the middle. Um, Now it seems like you got to keep your base and turning, getting those people to turn out. Um, I don't know. My problem is I've pulled away so much from all of this because it makes me sad and it hurts my brain. And there's a flood of stupidity to wade through um, that I'm not nearly in as as in touch with things as I was uh, pre uh, 2016 presidential election. To go back to um, what you were saying about you know picking sides and, and you know moving to the center, had I been advising Hillary Clinton um, after she won the Democratic nomination, I would have told her to run and never mention Donald Trump once. She engaged with him and continued to fight with him. 
And that was always going to be a losing battle because the people that already agreed with her were going to continue to agree with her. And everyone that hated her and didn't want anything to do with her were only going to be more galvanized to turn out. She should have... She should have run for a hundred days and never mentioned his name one single time, and I think she would have won. She also made, they also made a huge mistake in trying to go in and win in places like Georgia and stuff like that, where Democrats had never really been in play, uh, at least for a really long time in a general election, instead of staying in strongholds like Michigan and Pennsylvania and stuff like that and getting out and talking to people. Um, because say what you want. Yes, she won the popular vote. But that's not how an election is won. And whether or not numbers were skewed by Russia or whatever the case may be, Trump went in to small districts and turned out enough of those people to swing the electoral colleges in those states to win. Whether or not you like that, if you look, if you drill down into some of those numbers, it was a smart strategy. Go win the states that have enough disenfranchised poor white people and get them to turn out in their small districts. And obviously, you can turn an election. Right. Well, I think part of the issue, too, was they were preaching that everything was so great. Where I know where I live in West Michigan. It's not terrible, but it doesn't feel like we're in a boom. Yeah. And, and it, it definitely didn't before the election. It, it's, it's surprising to me that a group of people that tend to be lesser educated and poorer were so willing to vote for a like flim-flam businessman from New York who has never shown any indication that he actually cares about people like that. But yet he went into those small towns and said, you know what? I understand things are hard and I know that you just want to be back to, to working hard and you know, we're going to do that for you. There's people in West Virginia that legitimately thought that he was going to bring coal jobs back to their country, back to their, to their life. Like that was never going to happen. Like, he, one, he doesn't have that ability. Coal is not an industry that is, you know, a th- like is really returning in any sort of way. He doesn't have the ability to bring back manufacturing jobs. But he told he went into places and told people what they wanted to hear. Right. And, well, and he, they want and as much as people bought into President Obama's message of hope, Trump brought in a different kind of message of, "Hey, we're going to get you guys back on your feet and we you know, Democrats don't care about you. And the the reason that worked, though, was because while they were still feeling pain, they were being told that there was no pain there yeah. and that they shouldn't care that coal jobs were leaving because we were going in a better direction. Well, right. when you're getting left behind, yep. even if it's a better direction as a whole, you're not going to feel that. Yep. And when somebody doesn't acknowledge your pain, then... You're, you're not going to trust them. And even if somebody's selling you a bill of goods, but they're at the same time acknowledging the truth of your pain and saying, hey, you know, I, I know it doesn't feel like it should be and it's not like it should be. Remember the good times. You know, we're going to make it back like it was before. And there's a nostalgia factor too. Even yeah. 
if you look at basic terms of life, it nowadays is better than back, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But when somebody looks back, they're going to remember more the good than the bad yep. and have that nostalgia. I know I do when it comes to entertainment and other factors of life that that was, that's what really sold them was the look back nostalgia feel where at the same time they're getting that they're, they're saying he's acknowledging our pain. He's pointing to a time that they do remember that was good, that the auto industry was good in Michigan, that, you know, when, when you had a job, you knew you had a retirement and you knew that you, you had the basics covered. They were hearing that from him and saying, we can go back to that. At the same time, they're getting told on the other side that you have white privilege. You, everything's better now. The, the stuff that you're feeling isn't real. They're going to believe whatever the other guy says. Yeah. So, well, no, they're going to, they're going to believe what they want to believe and what makes them feel better, regardless of whether or not it's true, whether or not it's reality, they're going to believe this is, this is what this guy, I'm going to choose to believe this, even if, even if it's not possible. Exactly. Well, and I I think that's going to cause the way we are right now and the way everything's going right now, if things don't change we'll have Trump again in 2020. Um, that's not something I'm excited about. Just the way I see it. Trump's not out. making it to 2020. There's there. He will not, he will not be able, he will not be able to run for president in 2020. You heard it you here from Dustin Jones. Of course, if you go back and listen to a podcast I did over a year ago, I was sure that he would have been impeached by now. But I, if, if Democrats take back Congress, Shit's going to get crazy. Yeah, if they run it right and get a blue wave and don't go too far left and don't... If they get the vote out to get that change, then that changes the game. But if he's there to run in 2020, I think he wins. Because Not I mean, only it is depends. he the incumbent... It, it, yeah, I mean, it depends on who they can find to run against him. Which is right. the thing, which is a frustrating part to me about as a Democrat. Like, who... Who is the who is the next big Democrat to run? There's a there's the Kennedy dude from Massachusetts. Do we need Jesus Christ? We've had the Clinton, 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 and now we're gonna go back to the Kennedys. Like, can we maybe not like? Could we maybe try some new people? It's it's hard to say where they're gonna go, and that's the problem when it comes to facing an incumbent with their current strategy of the identity politics thing they want to if anything they're going to try to fit a mold instead of finding the right person yeah. for the job well and because i've i've continued to search for who i think could be that next person because i knew four years before barack obama was a senator that he was going to be the president of the united states i i sat and had a conversation with my dad i said this guy will be the president within the next 10 years like it it will happen like he like he had the he had the ability to stand up and move people and that's that's one of the things that i miss about politics i miss having someone that could stand up and give and this is why i love the west wing so much is having someone stand up and make me feel something other than hating them i i don't like that we live in a culture now where 
it's looked down, let's look down upon to be smart, where it's looked down upon to be well read, where we don't strive to be intelligent, where we look at people and and I get guilty of this too. People people spend their whole lives looking at this fucking phone and don't live their lives and don't get they they only get their inspiration from someone on Instagram. Quick memes. <laughs> it's I, I, I say know. as I post like 20 memes a day. Right. But going with the, you know, the current society and stuff, my last podcast I did some predictions after the State of the Union, and I want your thoughts on them. The first one was, I was sure a DACA deal would be done soon after the State of the Union. Um, I was confident that even though there's the divisive nature of the left and right, that Trump was offering too much when it came to the DACA deal for the Democrats to turn down, um, in turn... No deal was done, and instead we started putting migrant children, illegal immigrant children, migrant children, into cages. <laughs> so uh, they doubled down, and instead of making a deal, uh, we have bond villainry level uh, choices being made. Uh, your thoughts on that? Did you think that a DACA deal was done, or were you were you I, smart enough to realize? I mean. That? I'll be perfectly honest. I've checked out on a lot of stuff. Like I curse, I have like cursory knowledge of things. I it got to the point I was just spending too much time uh, looking into things, and it was unhealthy for me. At this point, I I'm surprised when anything gets done, other than the the shitty stuff that he's doing by executive order, where he's lifting uh, EPA requirements and allowing big businesses to pollute and rape and pillage, and basically just. We're getting Bond villainry because we have a dipshit who doesn't actually care about things and is easily swayed by uh, other people. You know, five minutes into one conversation, he's fully on board with you, and ten minutes later, he talks to someone else and sw- completely switches his mind because he doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing. Gotcha. So I'm not, I'm not surprised uh, by anything. <laughs> Another um, prediction I made was that we we're going to have some. Massive science breakthroughs in 2018. I don't think we've had much yet, but I still am open to that. Is there anything that you think might happen this year, science-wise, that you've heard? I would love. I would love if a, a a larger percentage of our population actually believed in science, and when scientists told them something, weren't immediately dismissive of it. I love nothing more than someone who uh, spends four hours a day. Uh, tweeting about flat Earth stuff, then goes and tells me how a scientist doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, if we could, if we could get a breakthrough in uh, getting rid of those people, that would be awesome. Um, I get, I'm very cynical about scientific breakthroughs because um, I feel like if someone breaks through on something, that they, you know, they won't put it out into the world to actually fix things. Um, they'll keep it and then try to make money off of it, which, I mean, I guess that's the world we live in. But if you if you found the cure to cancer and you didn't just immediately give it out into the world for free, I think you'd be pretty much the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Good response. Um, the one thing they have developed this year is real-life, realistic sex dolls 
So if there's going to be a science breakthrough, we know it's going to be something sexually related because we are a sick, sick culture. If, get, uh, uh, if, the only way I will ever buy a real sex doll is if the real sex doll after uh, having sex with me also makes me a sandwich. You hear that, scientists. Get on it. Um, another one of my predictions was there's going to be a scandal that involves the new age video and audio editing software. Have you seen this software? Yeah, that's, that's coming. That's, there's something, some shit's going to happen with that. Out of anything, that's probably the scariest thing to me is that they're already to the point where you can just, after the fact, type and edit what the person says and then the computer will format it so it, it blends pretty seamlessly when it comes to mm -hmm. audio. And as well, they're getting to the point where you can't, especially if it's a lower um, definition video, you can't tell that they faked it. Right. Um, so I, my, my prediction is we're going to have a scandal where somebody comes out and they're going to have a video of them doing something and saying something that's going to ruin the person. And then it'll come out later that it was actually a group that used this kind of software to... To cause that, you know, it wasn't real. Right. Um, what What are your thoughts on that software? Do you see any real positive to it? Or is there only a net negative? I, I don't I don't see how being able to manipulate video to then change what someone says has any positive benefit. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't see being able to alter something that happened and turn it into something that didn't happen is anything other than a very slippery slope to some dangerous, to some dangerous shit. That seems, that seems like that's the sort of thing on how you like topple a country. Right. The, the beginning at the end. Yeah. It, like we, we spoke of before the fact that we're going more and more digital. We don't have paper trails of a lot of stuff. I, I definitely agree that it could be a slippery slope there. Uh, another prediction I made, and one of the only ones that uh, came true, is I predicted that the stock market would remain completely volatile and that we would continue to see massive ups and downs. Uh, that seems to be the case. Um, on the good end of that, uh, Apple stock hit over a billion total net worth. Oh, uh, a trillion. A, yeah, a, trillion, a trillion, not a billion, sorry. A trillion net worth. Um, so... You know, our, our problems might be solved when Apple just buys the whole country and uh, we, we... No, become... it won't because they won't know. We won't know how to charge our batteries and they'll keep changing <laughs> shit on us. And we'll, uh, you know, Apple buying our country would be the worst thing to happen. Have Apple and Amazon merge and then just own everything. Jesus Lord. The Kill overlords. Uh, we enough, enough with politics and the negative nature of it. Let's transition a little bit. Uh we, we've mentioned a couple of times you have a podcast. Um, what made you decide to start podcasting? Well, uh, I've, I've been considering doing a podcast since uh, like 2005. Um, I was in on podcasts back when there was like six podcasts. Um, Kevin Smith had his Smodcast. Bill Simmons had the BS report on ESPN. Um, and Alex Jones had his InfoWars podcast, um, which there was actually a time where I was in on things with Alex Jones, which is a whole other. Oh, Jesus. He's on the list. Um, yeah, I don't, we don't have time to get into that. Um, 
podcasts um, are something I've always been interested in because of I really loved radio, but radio is a limiting media and much like newspapers is kind of a dying medium. Um, podcasts are much more free form and open and you can, you know, you don't have to stop every 5, 10, 12 minutes and have a commercial break. Although there's a lot of podcasts that have gone more radio format where, where they have a segment, stop, do a commercial, do that sort of stuff. But you're not on long commercial breaks. You have like the freedom to talk about most anything that, uh, that you would want to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I just I've always struggled with having what I feel is having something interesting to say. I definitely am, am frustrated with myself. I should have sat down 10 years ago when I was interested in starting and, and just kept banging away and, you know, gotten good at it. And maybe I would have a long reaching podcast with a, with a bigger audience when the problem now is, and that's kind of the joke of the name of my podcast. It's just another white guys podcast because it seems like anyone you ask, there's a white dude with a podcast. That was kind of the joke was like, I get that. There's so many of these and that's so much content. Um, so I just was, you know, kind of laughing at myself when I, when I finally uh, had one and named it, but I just, I feel like it's a way to directly connect with people in, in a more of a long form sort of way. I like it. I like it. You were definitely an inspiration for me to finally start it. Um, and like you mentioned, uh, Kevin Smith was an inspiration for both of us. Um, Recently, Kevin Smith had a heart attack. Yep. Um, a widowmaker heart attack. Yep. Uh, surprisingly, like I've always known that I view Kevin as one of my heroes. Um, back from the Clerks days, I've always been into movies. I love the fact that he seemed like a regular guy that went out and accomplished his dreams, brought his friends along, told a different kind of story, and made it. Um, so I, I knew I cared about him, but I didn't realize how impactful it would be to hear that at the time I thought he was he, like, there was a good chance he was going to die. Right. Um, and listen to his first update post heart attack the next day. Um, I got teary on it. You know, I, it, it really hit me. Um, and it, it really showed me that how crazy it is that, you know, somebody that you just assume is going to be there could could be the end. What what were your thoughts when you first heard that he had a heart attack? Um, well, I was I had been asleep, and Nikki woke me up, and she was like, "I'm," I, and it's never fun to be woken up with, "Hey, I need to tell you something." Um, but she woke me up, and she's like, "I wanted to make sure that you heard it from me," and like. You know, Kevin had a heart attack. It sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, but, yeah, it it, um, it shook me a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, as we've, you know, mentioned, we're, we're both wrestling fans. We've had to deal with people that we've either looked up to or respected or enjoyed their entertainment uh, dying real young and often uh, far more than fans of pretty much any other uh, entertainment. So... It, it definitely, it definitely hit me. Um, had he died, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really want to think about it because it, it would have sucked. I already lost um, a, a buddy that that was influential in me and when comedy and when Ralphie passed away last year. 
Um, so if you know to have lost Kev too would have been would have been uh, really soul crushing. Quite the shot. I, I know he had said that he was surprised that he was okay with it. Like he felt yeah comforted in death, and like I, I'm glad he had that to an extent, but. Motherfucker, I'm not ready for you to die. Right, yet, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, like, he, he's like an Obi-Wan yeah. to, to myself and, you know, the, a lot of people in our generation to show the, you know, the path of enjoyment and that, the, you know, there can be success and creativeness in your life, even if you're a regular guy. Yep. Um, he always struck me as somebody that wasn't, he wasn't a Steven Spielberg or, you know, one of these guys where you're like, I don't connect to that. Like they make awesome movies that I love, but it was a different level. It didn't make sense that that was even the same person where Kevin's always been relatable and he's been just a genuine nice guy. So Kevin's been relatable because he's put himself out there to be relatable and he never lost connection with, you know, being out there and part of it for Kevin is that while clerks was a, a, a really critical success, he never had like, he doesn't have a close encounters of the third kind or an ET or any sort of like that. Right. Clerks was a big thing and it blew up and he immediately went into mall rats and mall rats tanked. So like had mall rats been a huge success, it would be interesting to see what would have happened with Kevin. Um, you know, would he be the same guy that he is right now? It, that's really hard to say because with you know had he went on a continued path of greater financial success which would have put a bigger spotlight on him at a younger age you know would he would he be what he is now because he may have not taken the path where he went out and was speaking at college lecture you know colleges and stuff like that and doing those sort of appearances would people find would would we be more connected to a guy like spielberg if he had gone out and did you know, radio lectures, you know, done that sort of thing, the, the sort of things that Kevin has done, you know, it's hard to say, but you know, I'm glad that I live in a world where Kevin exists. So very cool. Qu- couple quick hitters. Then we'll wrap up here. Uh, what is your earliest childhood memory? Oh, um, honestly, my earliest childhood memory is a sad one. Uh, it's uh, crying at my grandmother's funeral. Um, she had passed away and I was really close with my grandma. She took care of me a lot while my parents worked. Um, and I was like, I don't know, I think it was maybe four. Um, and having like a, an emotional breakdown and crying and having to be taken out of the church. That's, that's, that's the one that always comes to mind of like the earliest things that I can remember. Everything, all the other stuff is, I think I remember it, but I I've seen a picture of it. And so then I remember the picture, which then triggers the memory, but the actual like memory that I have would be that. Gotcha. Um, what is one thing that you missed the most about the nineties? What do I miss most about the nineties? Um, I, I kind of miss going to the video store. I liked going and going to the new release section. I liked going, finding a video store that had a uh, pro wrestling VHS section and picking through and seeing if I could find something that I'd never seen before. Um, so, yeah, maybe, yeah. I also kind of uh, miss caring about baseball the way I used to in the 90s, which is... I, I can relate to that. I, I remember uh, 
I feel like it was early 90s they had their first player strike, at least when I yep. was around. And that's when I stopped caring about yep. baseball because I was like, oh, it's about money. Yep. Before that, it was just, at least in my mind, it was the love of the game. And I'm sure to an extent it was for the players too, but that was that was my first realization with pro sports that it wasn't just for the sport. It yep. was for money. And that turned me off from baseball. Before that, I was like, all the time, I would watch it anytime I could. I would always be talking about it. I collected baseball cards. I still collected after that point, but not to the same extent. Yep. Um, and final question. What is like the number one bucket list item for Dustin Jones? My number one bucket list item is uh, seeing a very small venue uh, Foo Fighter show. And meeting Dave Grohl. Preferably me and like 20 people in a venue where the Foo Fighters just play like for three hours. That would be my ultimate bucket list. Like meeting Dave Grohl is right up at the top. Like even if that could happen. But like I want to see them play like a really intimate show where it's. Yeah. That would be my ultimate bucket list. Okay. that I know that I said the last question. But one sub question of that. Who is the most influential person to you that you've ever met in person? Like after they were influenced on you? Um, probably. So this is like an obscure person to a lot of people, but uh, it's a guy named Michael Russo, who is the beat writer for uh, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, at the time, he worked uh, for the Star Tribune. Um, and he his influence on me was that he had such a love for hockey that it made me appreciate the game so much more that it got me into loving hockey. And being super passionate about it and caring about it, and Michael is very dedicated to um, to hockey and to bringing um, to the forefront stories about the Minnesota Wild and stuff like that. So I would say that of the people that I've met, um, he would be a big influence. And was that first meeting a positive? Yeah, I mean we've never, I mean we've never sat around and like had a real like a deep conversation or anything. Like it's mostly just been in passing. Hey, how you doing? Really like like I appreciate your stuff. I feel like I know Michael because he does podcasts and I've written, I've read so much of the stuff that he's written. But I mean we had a yeah, I mean it it was always positive. Very cool, very cool. Well, thank you, Dustin, for being on the podcast, helping me relaunch it, uh, pushing me to you know follow something that I actually do enjoy. Uh, the plan is going forward. I'm going to start doing these on a regular basis. Obviously they won't all be the, as long as they were this week when the, you have a guest to, you know, do an open form conversation with. It's a little bit longer. I, I plan at least once a week to do a short form one and then hopefully to have some guests and do some long form ones as well. I appreciate you all for listening. Uh, remember you can send comments or voice messages to the email the start contrast at aol.com and please hit the subscribe button and uh share with your friends thanks guys